Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on NOMCASTpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts on the socials at NOMCASTpod and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you love classics like we do, then you're going to love what our friends over at Best Classics Ever are giving away this month. Through December 30th, they're giving away Amazon Fire streaming sticks, free 30-day, 60-day, and annual subscriptions. Plus, one grand prize winner is going to get a lifetime subscription. You can enter to win on the Best Classics Ever Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages, or you can enter at bestclassicsever.com. And... If you go there, be sure to check out episodes of our show, The Matinee, streaming free in their Hollywood Canteen section. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Uh, that's a raccoon, yo. What, what are you doing? Feeding the raccoon. It's a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> when the three burglars thing happens. Oh, and they're all singing the same line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, notice, Jeb, that when they put their hats on, I'm not going to be able to see facial expressions. So that's on you, man. That's on you. Okay. Camera rolling. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Can I get an interview about uh, Betsy's wedding? No. Anything but that. Anything get lost. That? Anything but that. Get my hat. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. What up? It's getting cold outside. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I know. Sorry. It's, well, right. it's New England. You knew this. It's New England. You knew. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going today? It's going all right. I just, uh, I got this invitation to go to this farm, but it's not really a farm. <laughs> It's a CIA training camp. Uh, I've already seen too much. Now I've been kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This week we are doing the movie The Recruit. Uh, I'll give you the synopsis, get the facts, and then we'll get into the movie. Woo! Yeah. That's a different woo. I, I, I'm That's okay. It out. All right, nice, <laughs> nice. In an era when the country's first line of defense, human intelligence, I roll, is more important than ever, comes an explosive thriller that gives an insider's view into the CIA's secret training ground, The Farm. James Clayton might not have the attitude of a typical recruit, but he is one of the smartest graduating seniors in the country. Are we sure he graduated? And he's just the person that Walter Burke wants in the agency. We're doing the recruit, like I said before. I don't know why I'm saying it. Very over the top, some written over the top and explosive broad strokes and whatnot. (laughs) The recruit has a runtime of 115 minutes. It rated PG 13 at a production budget of $46 million. It came out on Friday. Of course, January 31st, 2003, um, weird release, kind of a dump month, dump month release, yeah, I guess. Opening weekend, it did 16.3 million domestic 52.8 and worldwide 101 million. So did well, did well worldwide. I yeah. Mean, did, you know, so that's this good. Was like Colin Farrell, like at his kind of the start or the height of his. Well, Farrell's, yeah, Farrell's very popular. Pacino, obviously it's an, it's somewhat of an action film. So, I mean, I'm sure that's how it was 
I should have watched the trailer, but I'm sure that's how it was it's probably promoted. Marketed like a yeah. born, yeah. Production company was Touchstone Pictures, Spyglass Entertainment, and Epsilon Motion Pictures, and it was distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. Obviously, for those who know, Touchstone is Disney, as is Buena Vista. Uh, so I said it came out on the 31st of January. It went up against Final Destination 2. That is the one with the tree, right? The big, uh, when they're on the, on the highway. The highway with yeah. the trees. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's why no one will ever drive behind a lock. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I hear that. Or, the, <laughs> or like in the island when they had the giant cement tubes that were for like sewer systems. Oh, yep. yeah. So I, it also went up against Biker Boys, the Lawrence Fishburne bike action drama. <laughs> I saw it. And in a limited release, The Guru. I think it's the Mike Myers Guru. No, he's the Love Guru. Oh, you're right. So it's a different guru. Uh, on the week after the 7th of February, you had How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Shanghai Nights, Deliver Us from Eva, and then a limited release, May. The reason why that's a horror film. And the reason why I bring that up is because my good friend, Adrian Correa, was the cinematographer of May. So... Nice. Giving him a little shout out. <laughs> On the 24th of January, the week before you had Darkness Falls. That is Jessica Beale, right? No, Darkness Falls was Emma. Jennifer Connelly? Emma something. Darkness Falls was the one with the girl for the lady from Buffy. Xander's, uh, Xander's girlfriend. Emma Caulfield? No. Em, well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's in that. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Tooth Fairy. Yeah, oh, I thought I thought. To, oh, yes, you're right. You're right. Well, uh, I know it's the Tooth Fairy. Was that what it was? I was like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Um, <laughs> you also read Chicago, the um, the musical. I think this is a wide release of Chicago because obviously it came out uh, for Oscar season the the probably the month before. And then right. uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which is the Chuck Chuck Berry, no the Chuck Berry or Sam Rockwell yeah. movie. Where yeah, he's, spot. yep, yep, the uh, host of the Gong Show. Actually, I like that movie. It's directed by George Clooney. Uh, this one is actually directed by Roger Donaldson. Uh, who did No Way Out, the Kevin Costner spy thriller, Cocktail, uh, and 13 Days, written by three different people. So they all had a pass at the script. You had Roger Town, who's done, uh, I don't know if he, I think he either did part of one of the first script version or maybe a story version of The Natural. Kurt, or Kurt Rimmer is, did Sphere. Butler, he wrote Sphere. Yeah. <laughs> he also wrote, he uh, wrote Salt, and he wrote and directed Equilibrium. Gunkata for all those fans I out there. I really have to rewatch Equilibrium. I'm sure I won't like it now. Oh, no, you won't. After high because school. Because it's, it's garbage. I'll have to throw I apologize, Mr. Wimmer. Uh, <laughs> Mitch Glazer is, uh, wrote Scrooged and Rockfick Hasba, and then cinematographer by Stuart Dryberg, who, who nominated for an Oscar for cinematography for The Piano. He also did Lone Star, a movie we did a while back. Nice. And Black Hat, the Michael Mann movie, uh, composed by Klaus Badel, who did Basic, Constantine, another one of our films, mm-hmm. and Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, which is the first one. Edited by David Rosenblum, who was nominated for an Oscar for editing for the movie The Insider, which is awesome, Primal Fear, and Freddy Night Lights. And then produced by Jeff Apple, Gary Barber, and Roger Birnbaum. Barber and Birnbaum are actually Spyglass Entertainment. And they've done Scream, Seabiscuit, Unbreakable, uh, G.I. Jane, and a movie we did, Reign of Fire. And then Jeff Apple has produced In the Line of Fire and Evolution, to name a few. Now, what's funny is that there are many people in this in this cast, but really just only four that matter. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's really odd. Uh, Al Pacino plays Walter Burke. He's in Serpico, The Godfather, and Jack and Jill, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Farrell is James Clayton from In Bruges, Miami Vice, and the 2011 Fright Night, which is a movie we did in our first annual Forgotten, uh, Forgotten Horror. Horror. Yep. 
Uh, Bridget Moynihan as Layla Moore. She's mainly in the TV show Blue Bloods right now. She's also an iRobot, and she plays John Wick's wife. He, she's the face that launched John Wick to kill all those people. So. <laughs> and then Gabriel Mock as Zach. He's in the spirit and whiteout, but I'm sure everybody always knows him as Harvey Specter in the show Suits. And then that's it. It, it, which is amazing, amazing that there are so many people in this movie. And it's just like, just I these four know. matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that. I, I, I don't get it. But anyways, <laughs> those are the, those are the brief facts for those who don't like the uh, giant facts section we usually do. Um, I had seen this in the theaters. I wasn't, it's a movie that I wasn't really, I, I had seen it. I was just like, okay. I saw it and I know I had problems with it before. And I honestly, when we were doing it, I couldn't really tell you what those problems were because I just, I just know I wasn't a big fan of it. I'm not saying I'm a big fan now. Came into it with a bad attitude. I did not Love come it. in with a bad Love attitude. It. I just, I just, just, I have questions. I have a lot of questions, but I'm curious. I mean, you obviously watched this uh, when it, you had to have seen this when it came out in the theaters. I can't remember if I saw it in the theaters or as soon like the first week it was out on DVD, but I did see it right when it came out. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to start right off. Uh, real quick. And this is probably, and there's a couple times in the movie where this note came up to me in terms of just choices that Donaldson made as the director or whether he made these or not. The opening shot of the movie is all of Clayton's stuff on the computer, right? It's mm -hmm. like they have the credit sequence going and they're showing all this like pictures and photos of James Clayton's like life, his father. It's kind of like the, right, like the rain of fire opening where they're like giving you everything beforehand. Bits and pieces. Right. Yeah. And as, as the credits are going and it, and it kind of zooms out a little bit, you start seeing the, you kind of see the reflection of Pacino, uh, the Walter Burke character looking at it. And then it cuts to Pacino. It just cuts to a close up of Pacino just standing there. And then it cuts back to the same photo and then it pulls out and you see his reflection in the computer. I'm like, my thing is like, why the cut? Why the, why cut to Pacino? I get it. It's Al Pacino, but it's a much more effective shot. If you're pulling in that one and he's in the reflection, we can all, we all know what Al Pacino looks like. And if you see, and you could see him in the reflection of the computer screen. Right. And I was like, that's, that's fine for an opening. I don't know this random, like, cause the cut to for me was I'm watching the movie and it just cuts to him, like sitting there and I'm just like, what? Like, <laughs> Cause we were still into the credits. It wasn't really, it didn't seem like it fit. And there's a couple of moments in the movie where that kind of pro crops up where there's shots that are moments that just don't seem to fit. That's, and that's, so that that's right off the bat was the first thing I noticed when we start when I started watching. Wow. All right. <laughs> uh, I really couldn't tell you that I cared about the opening. I actually have that. The opening kind of sucks. The, um, just, just the just, credits, just in general, it's just a very typical early nineties opening. It really didn't do anything for me. Even though this movie was from 2003? It, what did I say? <laughs> early 90s. Oh, early, I'm sorry. It's a very typical early 2000s opening. You know, it really didn't do anything for me. I don't think it really forwards the plot because, yes, uh, James Clayton kind of gloms onto Walter Burke because it's like a missing father figure. I guess, but yeah. The missing father angle is not used as much as you might think that it's alluded to at the beginning. It just kind of completely goes by the wayside for the most part toward the end. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of watched it going, oh, all right. When's the movie start? Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the opening at all. Uh, well, the, the whole thing, like the idea of this is that Burke is, is seeking out Clayton to sign him up for the farm. Right. 
And he's he to, to bring him into the CA to bring him into the agency and be and like you you meet Clayton because he is uh, a computer he's he does code he writes code for he's like a computer wizard yeah this, this Spartacus yeah. program that he created which three other people which you know it's kind of a dick move that when he goes to sign up for the agency we never hear about his friends again I'm where sure they, they made just a made dollars. how they they uh, not for anything but they couldn't they showed up for a trade function for Dell. Without the disc to to do, they were to, waiting to, for him. to show this guy how to operate it. They had to wait for Clayton to come in with the disc that is true. to show them how to set it up. And then he, they're obviously trying to set up a meeting with this guy, but and Clayton just just disappears. And it's just like, okay, so now what? What are these these kids? They got nothing. Well, I imagine that after that, he gives them the disc when he was going to join the farm. No, or it makes it, a copy of the disc. I mean, well, he I has just, the program. It, it was but. just kind of like an afterthought. Like, oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm doing this now. Like in the synopsis, it says that he graduated. There was no graduation. It was like the next day he was gone. Like Burke sees well, him the, at the trade show. There's nothing that says he's a student. No, I know. I know that. Like, well, you you're assume supposed he's a to freelance. assume that he's in this giant house. Freelance. Yeah. yeah. Software engineers like Silicon Valley where they're just living together. Making that code. Yeah. I, yeah the, I think there's a lot of assumptions that we're supposed to make here. Yeah, I don't think any of that matters, though. But it should matter. I don't think it I does. Think, I, th- I think it, but see, one or two, sure. But when there's a bunch of them, like the idea that they all go, like I, we talked, they all go to the farm and he meets, you meet uh, Layla and you meet Zach and he, and he actually befriends that other guy sitting down on the bus. Yeah, the other guy totally gets. Uh, and we don't see him anymore. We don't know anybody totally else. Totally gets the ass. Yeah. There's other trainers and they do have dialogue, but you never talk to him. There's Agent Spenders in there from uh, X-Files. Oh, Spen- yes. Yeah, who's telling him, who basically is there to tell them about the dissolvable uh, communication, communication device. bug that you, device that you can put in yeah. that. It'll, it'll, it'll just eat itself in two hours. And it's like, and the only reason he's there to do that because they use that device quite often in the movie they just keep That's using fine. it but i'm just saying it's a just there's no other ancillary characters that kind of help us with anything in this movie it's just we have to we are beholden to the four mains and we have to determine what's going on between them i'm okay with that because it's it central it focuses your film on those characters if you have too many characters especially in a spy movie it just becomes like i don't want to play a whodunit necessarily you know i, I kind of just want to know you know you're watching this recruits rise through the ranks of like the CIA, how he starts you know, his training up until his first mission. I just, I want to do a quick overview of the, the synopsis of the movie, the whole movie in terms of like what goes on to the end. And we always do spoilers. And I don't care if you've never seen the movie. Um, <laughs> so basically what ends up happening is Clayton washes out, which we'll get to Burke tells him he's the knock, which is a non-official cover, which is like, you know, it's supposed to be some secret thing, but apparently everybody knows who the knock is. You're the spy who basically, yeah. if you get caught or killed, yeah. Deva- if for those fans of Mission Impossible, the knock list, that's what we're talking yeah. about here. So he basically don't know you're the knock. You got a spy on Layla. She's at, she's working in maps and whatever in CIA and Langley. Science and technology. Yeah, she's yeah. stealing stuff out of there and he's, you got to steal, you got to find out what it is and take it and steal it from her. But you find out that actually Layla is, is testing CIA's defense systems and that's why she's doing that. And you know, whatever. So like, and then Burke's plan is to like, my question to Burke's plan is basically to actually steal whatever the, the software is, which we'll get to, which is ice nine, right? Steal it. And sell it. And sell it. That's his plan. That's Burke's plan. But was that Burke's plan? Like, when did that plan go into effect? Like in the movie? When is that Burke's plan? Is he specifically targeting Clayton for the agency because that's his plan? I think that becomes his plan. He's probably got a plan to do something where he can sell secrets and then he just and he can use Clayton to do whatever he wants. He just wants a, a Patsy or someone else to do most of that work for him. 
And then once he figures out, hey, Layla's doing he because I'm sure he's privy to most missions. Hey, she's stealing this information. She's like, great, that's that's exactly what I'm taking. No, I get that. Yeah. But I I, so was, I don't think it was a very specific plan. I think it's a general plan of having Clayton do some dirty work for him. And because he was tired of not getting paid and he makes that comment when he's talking to the people about how he's talking to the crew crew said it's not for the money. He mentions the money. He mentions that. A lot, yeah. But and then he also mentions, you know, you don't know our failures. You only know our or you don't know our successes. You only know our failures. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Which everybody understands that that's. But I think basically for Burke, it's just been too long. Mm-hmm. And then remember this movie's 2003. So this is coming right off of September 11th, you know, not too many years. Well, and he makes that comment yeah. uh, in, in the beginning of the movie where Clayton tells uh, Burke that, you know, you, you're know, you a bunch of fat old white guys who fell asleep when we needed them the most. And he's yeah. referring to 9-11. And then Burke returns that comment to him at the end of the movie, uh, which I, I understand that sentiment. I get that. I mean, I'm wondering if this movie was greenlit because of that because you know because of that line well just i like that sentiment because yeah. of it's you know it it's not really it's not negative on the cia and the, and the government it's it's a little bit of a positive i know that some of my notes in terms of uh you know actual cia uh like employees like so in 2009 i have a we have this note done. A CIA employee's review goes, although, quote, everyone in the agency believes the movie is ridiculous, end quote, the movie is, quote, entertaining, and that, quote, all of the covert service trainees watched the film on the bus going into training for comic relief. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not like it's because obviously they're trying to uh, I mean, I don't know what the research was into the movie. You know, well, it's not like the CIA is giving them all their training. You, you know, it's called yeah. the farm, but you don't know like what exactly is going on in there. Right. You know, and then I have a from uh, TJ Waters, who's a former farm student, calls it a mediocre movie in which he recognizes a lot of similarities with the real farm. What those similarities are, who knows? I mean, and we're not supposed to know, yeah. that, which is I do believe, though, when they set up Clayton for the the ambush, when they take him. Because my first note when he goes to have dinner with Burke, I'm just like, why is Burke taking him out to dinner? Like, he's just there's such this like focus on one dude. Like, does he take anyone else out? And right. then you obviously realize he's setting him up because he says, you know, oh, there's there's always these guys around here that are trying to figure out what's going on at the farm. I actually do believe that they probably have spies or sleeper spies oh, yeah. or informational people, you know, staked out around the area trying to just I don't know keep an eye on things or something pops up and. You know, I I, abs- I absolutely believe that and vice versa for us as well um, on the other side of the spectrum. Um, so, yeah, so I it just I don't I have a lot more questions with this movie than that are go unanswered. OK, I guess in terms of motivations, like I know that I know Burke's motivation and I know we can talk about it. Right. And we did. Which his name is not Burke. <laughs> yeah, I know. I And I know that I understand that motivation, but I need more than just a couple lines when he's talking to the recruits about how we're, they're not going to make any money. I need an, I need a scene. I need something to really understand why not his monologue at the end, which is the longest monologue. I think in the history of, you know, it's a, it's a monologue and an exposition dump all in one at the end of the movie, when Pacino's just going on and on about what he's doing. I need more. I need that a little bit earlier, maybe not so dumpy in terms of exposition wise, mm-hmm. but I need more. I think for, for to me to understand the whole concept of what Burke is doing or why he's doing it. Well, did you read a, there was a deleted scene apparently okay. where Burke essentially says that, you know, 
what it takes to be the perfect field operative. And basically you have to be a psychopath. You have to have antisocial personality. Oh, he says a little bit of that in the, he says a little bit in the thing, but I guess he goes into it in the film. Like you have to um, have no pangs of conscience, no feeling of guilt or remorse. You know, you take action without regard to the consequence and have no sympathy or empathy afterward. Uh, at the same time, you have to be charming, engaging, and charismatic. So basically a psychopath and you have to be like a a, a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what he says in a deleted scene. And I think that kind of speaks to Burke pretty well. But, you know, you get that story, which is probably true about him in Italy back when he started mm-hmm. um, about, you know, letting was essentially a girl that he really liked or was falling in love with die by the uh, hands of the Russians for the information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just did it because he had to do it. And he, he doesn't really show much remorse. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think over time it's starting to get to him. But he is kind of a sociopath, which kind of that would hint at the turn that he makes a little earlier so do you do you view uh the clayton character and the layla moore character and the zach character as sociopath as well like everybody on that bus has that predilection to you know that kind of psyche i think that it's possible that james clayton and lila do but i don't think zach does well zach's not fleshed out enough what's up i think zach's a good boy and and they don't give zach anything do they give him these stares these looks these he doesn't really do anything and then all of a sudden he's the knock and i want to be like why would you know he's the knock you shouldn't know that you aren't you're not supposed to know who the knock is like layla like oh no zach's the knock zach's the knock well she knows he's the knock because she's the one he's he's the one she's supposed to be giving information which i don't understand I, I I don't understand like why is the knock being used, the non-official cover being used for an information dump? Like why is as he being trained? Okay, fine. But like for a simple handoff at the at the train station, you know, like why? Like she's just first- she's doing an op just to study the CAA's defenses. Do we really right. need to use the knock for that? Well, that's a good first mission for the knock because it's non-dangerous, it's easy, it's mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. You know. Clayton's op is probably too advanced for someone just coming off the farm. Yeah. But he's not really a knock. He really did wash out because Burke washes him out. Yeah. And I obviously it's bogus. He washes him out for his own personal reasons. Right. Once my he figures out like what he can use him for. Right. My thing is like everyone else buys that. Like, like, I need a moment in the movie where he has to tell the other trainers that, you know, he just doesn't cut it. He's washing up because the whole purpose of that. I can see that. I agree with that. You know, because the whole purpose of that mission to like, you know, where he, he breaks them. Right. You know, is he washed up because they failed that test? Because that doesn't track because Layla and Zach failed the test when they were trying to place bugs in that house and they didn't get washed out. So you need to give me like him saying like, no, I don't think he's got it. Like just something like that. Right. You know what I mean? No, I don't think he's got it. Not the fact that he, he failed the test because that test is designed for everyone to fail. To right. teach you a lesson. Everybody fails. Everybody breaks. You made it the most in 15 years. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he got Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon with the uh, I know the, the electric spider. They didn't even show it either. Like, why not show it? Oh man, I they did like I liked when uh, he brushes the two Brillo pads together mm-hmm. and you see the sparks. Yeah, well, that's it's also like, like Rambo. They did that in Rambo too. Well, uh, yeah, but first, that's just smoke coming out. Two. This is the first one where you see like the Brillo pad <laughs> melting. <It's> like, <laughs> well, in Lethal Weapon, they're using the sponges, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. it didn't have Brillo pads yeah. on the end. Yeah, but oof. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, I do agree with you that there should be something that kind of explains more like why he gets washed out. Cause I did have that same thought of none of the other recruiters think it's weird that he did such a good job and he's getting fired for doing he, really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then 
guy held out for days and gave a name that really isn't real because Burke's name isn't really Burke. Yeah. Who, who is it? And even when the, at the end of the movie, when they go to, like, I guess, arrest Clayton, they're like, they're there for Clayton. They have no idea that Burke is, is doing this. Well, I like that setup at the end. No, I get that. Yeah. I, but they're just still in the dark completely. Right. So by so yeah, you would need you need a scene where you see maybe a little bit more of Burke tricking his compatriots. Right. Right. Because I don't think that here's the thing at the end of the movie. I don't think they don't know what's going on. They're there to get Clayton. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to all focus their weapons on Burke solely. Like it, it it's probably gonna be I, like everyone get down, we gotta figure out what's going on. Yeah, I was waiting for them at the end to arrest Clayton as well. Like yeah. you've proved, you know, it's like that James Bond, you've proved that uh, he's guilty, not that the other guy's innocent when they capture uh, Mathis and they're going to torture Mathis. And he's like, no, just keep sweating him. Mm-hmm. You prove she's guilty, not he's innocent. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Clayton. It's like, you know, Burke's bad, but you don't know Clayton's not working for him. Right. And it's right. a deal grown wrong or something. One of the other things that uh, to go along the lines of the opening shot that I didn't like was when he when Clayton before the end scene, when he runs into the warehouse, when Clayton's in the car with Burke and he spills a coffee on him. And then I get we get that awesome line of dialogue. Oh, man, my dick's on fire. Like we get that fantastic dialogue. That's a that's an ad lib from yeah, Pacino. No kidding. Um, <laughs> and we get that. And then um, he leaves. He, he's he got the gun on him. Yep. He, he the gun goes off. He drops it. Clayton runs out. We get a shot of Pacino going grabbing a flashlight from the backseat of the car. Why? I don't, I don't need to know. I don't need to have He grabs I, his gun. No, he, he, there's a, he already gets the gun. There's a close up of his hand going to the gun. Then there's okay. like, there's a, from behind the scenes, he goes in the back and reaches in the pocket of oh, the to, get, bu- the gun, to gun. get a flashlight. And I'm like, I really don't need to know where the flashlight comes from. I can just assume that he's got it on him. Well, I think that gives, you're giving James more time to get further into the warehouse. Otherwise, maybe, I He's just gonna don't be right on his tail. I just don't need it. I, I that, but that's that again. That's another thing that kind of was like, mm, do I need that? No, I don't. Um, I love how when they kill Burke at the end, sorry, and they shoot him and they unload at least 400 rounds into him, they check his body for a pulse. I mean, you killed him. I mean, you, you like, you guys didn't stop. <laughs> it's like like they're all around him and they still got the guns trained on him and he's like leans in and is like dude you can't tell he's you blew his chest off oh, that's walter fucking <laughs> burke you don't know <laughs> so what what did you like about this movie if anything hmm. that's a good question I don't know. Like, it's not that I hate it. I don't, I don't like not like it, but there's like, like there's Here's my question. Do you go into my picks assuming they're bad and they just have a bad no, taste in your mouth? But I, no, this? because I already seen this movie. So I already knew that I didn't like it <laughs> way before we did this. I already, it, it wasn't a movie that I'm like, if someone's like, Oh, did you see the recruit? It's not like, Oh, that movie's garbage. No, it's just like, eh, it was okay. Like that's what it was. It was one of those films. <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm diving deep into it, you know, it's just, the synopsis, here's something. Not that I, I like, but I probably would want. <laughs> the synopsis is bad. No, what I would want, probably maybe I want more of, or a little, like the synopsis talks about how they go to the farm. Like the farm is a big thing in the movie. The movie was originally called The Farm. Right. They changed but it. But we're yeah. not on the farm. Like, it, like, like after the, it, like every, all the action, ha- it happens like after the farm. Like it becomes this taut CIA spy thriller that kind of like spy game. It becomes sure. something like that. But like, I'd rather just, Focus on the farm, like put it within the confines of the farm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want 
like we talk about, there's only four characters. I want more characters. I want more stuff. I want to know more about the farm. Maybe, maybe the secret stuff or maybe the thriller aspect or the mystery focuses more like within the farm, like the farm is compromised, like that kind of stuff work within the, sure. you know what I mean? I don't need to like, because now we have to, we change locations and now I have to buy into the fact that somebody who washed out of the, of the farm has now been given a job at Langley and is suddenly talking with all the people that he knew at the farm. Like that would be like a red flag for people that work there. The idea that, and then I got I got to learn a whole like I don't even learn a lot about the farm. I just learn like what we know in terms of like the two things they do in terms of the tracking. They montage over their training in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like like I I'd rather know all that. So the concept of the farm was interesting to me, but I they didn't they didn't stay there long enough. I don't know. Did you like the farm? Oh, I love the farm. Okay, I would I would love for the whole movie to be the farm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do like that it's two movies in one. I like that it's half and half. But that does mean the the actual. You have to reset a little bit. Yeah. You have to reset a little bit in the middle of the movie because you've been given a whole new location. Be given like a sequel within the first yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that would have been a really good idea. Um, probably a better idea to do like Layla. Hey, Layla's a, a spy, Belarus or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or somebody, somebody might be giving information out of here about the farm, and then you know these six different young people, you know, have to figure out who it is and become yeah. a spy. Well, sure. yeah, like you can't trust your trainers. You can't trust like what's going on. Like you're friendly with Burke and you know, like stuff like that. It's tough with spy thrillers because again, you always have to deal with like, who's telling the truth. Who's not. Oh, what is the double cross? Like you're, Although this sounds like spy Harry Potter to me now. What? Something's happening in Hogwarts. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with Harry Potter? <laughs> how about, uh, how about the fact that Burke tells him, um, there's no printers at Langley. So they have to, they have to get out. Uh, they have to take the stuff out another way. They can't print it out. It's like, there's no printers at Langley. Uh, he's carrying papers at, at one point. And <laughs> I saw clear and present danger and he prints out that, <laughs> that, that memo and shoves it in Ritter's face. So what's, what's going on there? So I just love the fact that there's no printers in Langley. Like mm, I can understand where the network's locked down and it's, it's firewall and you can't do anything, but no printers. Yeah. Well, they're just making it difficult. They're just giving you a new, this is why he can't do this, this, this. They give me the parameters yeah. of why, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he just walks in. I just saw a printer. Oh, well, that's not a printer. Do, pay no attention to that. <laughs> I like that they use a USB stick in 2003. That USB stick must cost a ton of money. And it's probably like one gig. It's 16 megabits. <laughs> Was it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, you can't take you're taking everything out on pieces. Yeah. Uh, I like in that same, when he gets onto a computer, and like I know he knows code. I get that. But I'm sitting there going, what is he doing? Like, like what window did he open up? Like, I just, what is he? What, he's just like hacking into like a system that he probably never knows. Like, you, like if you set him up as a hacker. Right. I can believe that a little bit more, but you set him up as a software designer. Well, he's a software designer. He's a coder. Hacker. I get yeah, it. But he hacks. Technically, you have to hack into all those other systems to be able to slave them to your true, video true, system. Yeah. True. But I, I know that the note I have about like when he's typing it, it's just gibberish. All that stuff that like the computer code for oh, Ice yeah, Nine is make, just yeah. gibberish. And I guess the I, Ice Nine's, the ability of Ice Nine in the movie is that it can take any electrical outlet uh, electrical well, electrical outlet and they can control it can basically control any they can get to any computer they can get to any infrastructure any computer like device and stuff like well, that they can shut it down they can shut down right. power grids and stuff which is not possible that that, that ability is There's does not exist and, yeah. yeah you can't do it um there is obviously the possibility you can boost your wi-fi signal with your electrical outlets right but it's really just limited to like a certain location. Like I could do it in my house, but that's it. It's not going to help anybody else. Well, I guess the CIA did it to a nuclear test site in Iran.
and well, that's that was what the yeah and kind of changed the uh, temperature gauges. Oh yeah, that was a while. That was a while ago. Yeah. That's how they yeah. Well, that's the I don't know if that's they said they did that, but that's the rumor. Yeah, I mean, let's not break a national news Sorry, here. It's allegedly, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't we we don't we have no we have no information on the world. <laughs> I like the uh, the scene in the bar where Colin Farrell goes to pick up a girl. Yeah, uh, and he tells her, you know, I just got out of prison. Yes, I guess. He suggested that to the director because he actually used that line in a bar once and it worked to pick up a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the workers at the Blue Ridge bar are tired of the CIA trainees always coming in every session? Oh, to, I'm sure. Absolutely. Like, they like, must be used to Like it. the bar backs back there going, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 10 bucks is going to be this kind of blue yeah. making it. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, they're absolutely placing bets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should just go tell her that it's no. The last guy who did that didn't come back. <laughs> I wonder if the CIA pays them. Like, well, listen, we're going to be here again tonight. So uh, here's a, here's, oh, I'm sure, here's yeah. a couple grand. <laughs> How about the way Colin Farrell moves in this movie? Like he moves fast, like grab the computer, go like, like, and I, do you like that? Like aesthetically it's great. Cause he's boom, boom, let's go get a gun, get a gun. But like, yeah. when you think about it, I'm like, would you really be moving that fast? Like, could you really type that fast? I don't know. I don't code, but no, uh, my dad codes and he does not go that fast. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't grab computers, put them down. He's just ripping them up. Run, he doesn't go, around. I need to enter this website. Hold on. Do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. Never use the mouse once. Go, gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> it's like Scotty from uh, Star Trek four when he's cracking his knuckle. Dude, yeah. dude, dude, keyboard. Dude. How quick. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, it's typical, you know, movie stuff with the computer. It's also, I think that's, that's Colin Farrell's. I think that's his style because I've seen a couple of movies with him where he's always quick paced and fast and he moves quick. Yeah. I notice he does a lot of like this head thing where he kind of looks around is kind of his thing. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of like always aware. Like a minority report when he's breaking down the keyboard. Yep. Yeah. That, that's kind of his, his thing. And then when he, even when he played, uh, was it Bullseye in the Daredevil film? It's just a quicker, more yeah. cracked up version. I think of that that's same thing. his that's style. Thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. His breakfast is lazy, by the way. I love how he pumped up his breakfast to Layla. His champions after they were together. It's toast, two slices of bacon, and some egg and, and cheese. Yeah, he's like cheese eggs. My dad's specialty. It's like he puts cheese and eggs. I do that. It's not a specialty, <laughs> pal. Okay, unless the cheese is from some unknown place I've never heard of. Twelve different cheeses. Half of them are from Peru. And, and number two. Number two. That those eggs did not have cheese in them. I could tell, and they were. It's like your your bacon's terrible. It's you, you just took toast and cut it in half. It's like, like stop making this breakfast out to be anything. And they, you just made eggs, okay? You made eggs. You're acting like you made her like this like Western omelet. <laughs> Sorry, your dad's dead, but still. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor dad. Poor yeah, meaningless and, dad. Speaking of his father. I could care. I couldn't care less about the the final shot of the movie when it was like the 1990 in the starlight. That was his dad. He was a yeah, spy. You it's already like, showed that. Who we get it. Who cares? Who cares? It's like it's like some great mystery. Like oh, he's vindicated. His father was really a sage, and he's dead. It just. I I did not care about that. I I, I mean didn't. I like the line. It's in your blood again, and he just repeats it. That's a nice but line. Yeah, I don't need the fade away. Yeah, because you already have that scene, so you can already, uh, unless you're some kind of moron, harken back to 25 minutes ago. Yeah, when he looked at the star the first time. Yeah, it already happened. 
But yeah, I, I didn't like that. Although I did think that like uh, Extreme Ways by Moby was going to play when he said it's in your blood, son. I was like, that's such a Jason Bourne ending when he's got that shocked face. <laughs> One of my notes here is, wait, is John Dillinger's penis really at the Smithsonian? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't look it up. I should have. I didn't. And I was just like, why? <laughs> I've been to the Smithsonian once. I don't remember seeing any penis. Hey everyone, that's Fonzie's jacket. Yeah, uh, that's the that's from the set of Lucille Ball show. And look, John Dillinger's penis. <laughs> oh wait, wait, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's when uh, we talked about Zach before when he goes and tracks Layla when she drops off the note to the hooded man. Right. It's like yeah, obviously it's Zach because we've met nobody else and. My cho- my question to you is, why chase him? Like, why- I didn't get that. It's bad. It's bad spy. That's yeah. bad spy. And he goes freeze. You're not a cop, dude. Yeah, you're a glory. You're a civilian, as far as anybody knows. Yeah, freeze. Yeah. What are you? Who are you? Yeah, I. The other thing that pissed me off is when uh, I know it's like a last ditch effort not to get shot, but Burke tells uh, James, "It was blanks. It was blanks. He didn't really shoot him. The squibs went off." It's like I'm sorry, Clayton. Shot like eight rounds into the subway cars with with sparks flying and everything. Yeah, he 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 had bullets. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, he had bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, let me because you uh, did you did your opinion of this film change from when you first watched it to now? No. Okay. I knew it was okay. Yeah. Um. But why? But you. I'm not that I want to jump ahead. I mean. But why? Why would? Well, I guess I will. Well, why would you? Well, go ahead. Finish your thought. Why did I pick it? Well, not why did you pick it. I was going to say why are you saying it's forgotten? But yeah, go ahead and finish your thought. Sorry. But when I watched this the first time, I I liked it, but I also thought it was just okay. It wasn't the greatest thing I'd ever seen. But now that it's you know twenty almost twenty years later, I've seen so many more spy films. Um, but better than this or worse than this? Both. Okay. And so I wanted to remember, I remembered it being an enjoyable film. I mean, I remember Pacino being good and Colin Farrell being good. And that was interesting because it was a spy being recruited, uh, like training. Mm-hmm. But I did remember that it was two two different movies. It was the same complaint you had. Right, right. Um, I don't think it bothered me as much, but I do think that brings the movie way down. It's It's the first movie and its sequel squished together it's almost like if this were a book series and they were like well books one and two can be made into one movie for no reason right right uh but i i thought maybe my opinion would have changed maybe i wouldn't like it as much but i do remember it being a very unique spy film in Mm -hmm. the terms of like a lot of that focus is on the training but Mm -hmm. i do think that the entire focus should have been on the training like that um but I don't think my opinion changed much. It's just I can point out exactly what made my reaction to this original viewing like, okay. Yeah. Um, but no, I think there are other spy movies that have done it better. I think Spy Game is a little better. You maybe don't get as much of that training, but you get a decent amount of it, and it's a little different. Yeah, well, our complaint was handled a little better. Our thing about Spy Game was that the Pitt's romance was off screen. Yeah, that is a lot. With, yeah. Cut weird. Um, I think this yeah. has focus of this is the training and then this is the mission. Mm-hmm. And I don't think cutting that up would have helped at all either. That would have hurt. More. You had to choose one or the other. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think also when you have Layla and James kind of rekindle, well, not rekindle, but kind of have the romantic entanglement because obviously in the farm they they like each other, I guess you assume. And then when they right. have the romantic entanglement in terms of like when they're kissing in the, uh, a parking garage. Yeah. That whole thing. It's like, I don't, for one second believe that she 
like I know that he's playing her and right. I don't believe that she's like she I know she's playing him so I don't I don't believe the characters emotions or feelings towards each other I think they're just faking it obviously I I don't buy that her, I don't buy her emotion ever I do buy his emotion although it's quicking rather oh, just like right. love at first sight kind of a thing I I think the way he portrays it like the way he shows even like not through dialogue but just the way his Facial expressions, the way he acts, is true. Like well, he has feelings for. You're him. also focused on him. He's the main right. character in so the you story. Get more time. Yeah. Maybe that's the she doesn't she have. Doesn't have she's not given anything um, because you can't really see her side of it, or you'll know that she's also on a mission. Right. But I do think his feelings are real, even though they're rather quick. Mm-hmm. But you do get that, yeah, that sense that you know he's playing her, she's playing him. Right. You don't get that they're going to end up together in the end kind of a thing. Right, right. I oh. actually would have liked the movie better if they both quit the CIA. Well, you don't get going to ruin your yeah, sequel, Francis. Like, I love the ending. You know, she, he gets whisked <laughs> away without her. You knew that. Yeah. you. But you also knew that he was going to be brought back into the fold. And I'm just like, well, thank God I killed Zach because there's a big Exactly. There's an opening. opening. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you beat Zach. I mean, I it's not ancient Rome, Jesus, but it's kind of ancient you built, Rome. You built the guy. We, you, you, you killed the guy that we picked, handpicked to be the knock. Thanks. So it's like, <laughs> I don't even know if they would bring him. Oh, they probably would bring him in. Who knows? He knows too much already. He, he did the job. He technically completed his mission real well. well he, he yeah uh, he did the job but he got fooled like he got you know what i mean he got well, so did the rest of the cia though true i guess yeah yeah this is this isn't based on anything right this isn't based on any books i mean i couldn't it was just no trip, not that trip. i've seen yeah. no. it just seems like a lot of spy movies that you've seen before yeah i um, think another reason it might have been forgotten uh not just because of the the way the story's broken up so born identity comes out in 2002 mm-hmm. born supremacy comes out in 2004 mm-hmm who cares about the recruit when you have born identity and yeah. born supremacy? And I always like uh, supremacy is the second one. Supremacy is the second one. I always like the second one, but I like the first one, but I just, I love Greengrass's direction of the second one a lot better. I like Greengrass. So um, that's the director, Paul Greengrass. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I can, I agree with that. I mean, it, but I mean, it, it did money. It did its money back and more. Oh yeah. I mean, like we said, Colin Farrell and Al Pacino, you know, Colin Farrell's hot at this point. He's doing a bunch of movies. Al Pacino is still Al Pacino. Do you think that Al Pacino in this movie is kind of going through the motions? No, I've seen Al Pacino go through the motions. Like what? Jack and Jill. No, first of all. (laughs) He's fantastic in Jack and Jill. I'm telling you right now, I'm not saying Jack and Jill is a good movie. (laughs) But Pacino in Jack and Jill is funny. Come on. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, But no, I, I... I can't point out anything. I'd have to look at his IMDb, but I'm anything in the 2000s is uh, there's a lot in the 2000s where he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's given like his like best performance ever. This isn't Godfather or uh, Super Yeah, or Obviously, but it's it's I think this is a solid performance. I think it's understated. I think in the things where he, you think it's understated compared to some of the things. This is Al Pacino we're talking about here. He'll see, take a okay. he'll take a regular role and turn it up to a nah, thousand. You want understated? You have to see the HBO film where he played Joe Paterno. That's understated. This is I, I'll tell you what. This is more in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's still Pacino. Yeah. He's not playing a character. He's definitely still playing yeah, Pacino. Yeah, but he's not yelling through it. He's not joking. He's not like overly like I'm gonna turn my. This is what you want. You. you ordered Pacino. You got Pacino. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he's necessarily giving it like. He's not looking for his Oscar, but I think he's playing it well. well. Nobody's looking for their Oscar. In this film. <laughs> I think he's doing all right. Yeah. This is a, I don't know if this is a, uh, 
Well, I think it's evident that the studio probably was just like, I don't know what to do this film because it came out in January. Right. Um, I think if this movie was, if they, they, if they viewed this film better or they viewed this film as being, uh, the potential of making more, more money. If they just, if they liked it, I think this would have been a summer film. Um, but I think putting it in January, I think you know, Buena Vista was just like, eh, let's put it here. I mean, this could have worked as a December film. Well, this movie was shot, uh, December, 2001 to March, 2002. So this movie was shot, a, you know, basically a full year before they released it. Right. So, you know, I don't have any notes in terms of like, if they moved it up or anything like that. But, uh, I, my last note is that the abandoned warehouse at the end of the movie, where they end the movie is mm. the same location where they shot Chicago's prison scenes. So the movie Chicago and their prison scenes were filmed there. So if, if everyone's, you know, looking for all that jazz, <laughs> uh, I got nothing else about this movie. I mean, you know, that's all I got. <laughs> where, where can they find us? You can find us at forgotten cinema podcast.com or forgotten entertainment.com as we are part of the forgotten entertainment family. Uh, you can also find us on all the various podcast things that I mentioned before. YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google play, we're, we're everywhere. Rate us, review us, subscribe to us, leave us a comment, join the lobby, which is our Facebook group where we talk about movies. Let me know how much you also hated the recruit. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, we talk about movies and stuff like that. Give us suggestions, all that good stuff. Uh, and, uh, that's all I got. Sweet. All right. We'll see you next week. We're going to 1990, uh, for a movie written and directed by Alan Alda, Betsy's wedding. So, uh, yeah, we will see you then. I, uh, I've got nothing right now, so I will wrap up with saying I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. I'm going to make you a spy. <laughs> <laughs>